Today on Let the Bible Speak. How one preacher got another preacher into hot water. Next. and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. So glad you're with us today. Did you know preachers can sometimes get you into trouble? Yes, preachers are not always what they should be, and some are not who you think they are, and some are merely deceived themselves or misled. That's not a modern problem. It was an ancient problem as well. Our lesson today comes from a story recounted in the Old Testament, and it deals with two preachers, one younger and one older. And you might suppose the younger, more inexperienced preacher would have been the source of the problem, but in this case, it was the other way around. A young preacher learned some very hard lessons from the older one. In fact, those lessons cost him his life. I'm talking about the story that's told in 1 Kings chapter 13 during the days of King Jeroboam. We read now from 1 Kings 13 verses 1 through 10. It says, And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way, and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. You know, if the story ended there, it would be an inspiring story of courage and fidelity to God. But it doesn't end there. An older preacher in Bethel enters the picture. And when he does, things quickly go downhill. There are some important lessons we should learn in our desire to obey and please God. This young prophet learned them, but too late. We'll entitle the study today, Lessons from a Lying Prophet, after a song.
This story told in 1 Kings chapter 13 happened after the division of Israel into the northern and southern kingdoms. The glory days of a united Israel as it was in the days of David were over. Solomon had continued his father's legacy, but later in his life allowed his pagan wives to turn his heart away from God. And when he died, the kingdom was on a downward trajectory. It fell into the hands of his haughty son Rehoboam. Rehoboam foolishly refused to listen to the older and wiser heads, and instead he relied on the advice of the younger men. And this resulted in the division of the nation into the northern and southern tribes. Now, despite Rehoboam's pride and foolish conduct, God did use Rehoboam, and for a time Judah and the southern kingdom were considered faithful to God. Jeroboam, on the other hand, became king in the north and quickly led his people into idolatry. Now the temple that Solomon built and where the presence of God had manifested itself was in Jerusalem in the south. This was to be the place of worship and sacrifice, but that presented a problem for Jeroboam because he feared that if his people continued to travel to Jerusalem to worship, well, they would get down there and they would be influenced to defect and turn back to Rehoboam, the southern leader. Well, Jeroboam couldn't have that, and so he came up with a compromise. He had two golden calves made and set in the northern cities of Dan and Bethel, and he told the people to go there and to worship those golden calves instead. Well, that was wrong. Just like it's wrong and sinful any time, men propose a substitute for the worship that God has prescribed and introduce an innovation that is an addition and contrary to what we read in God's Word. Now, that's still wrong today. It was wrong for ancient Israel because, number one, the temple was in Jerusalem, and Jeroboam didn't have God's authority to set up another place of worship. And it was also wrong because it was a sin to worship a golden calf instead of the living God. And friend, any unscriptural innovation, no matter how well-intentioned, no matter how appealing to however many people it may be, any unscriptural innovation is sinful and constitutes man's will worship, as Paul called it in Colossians 2 and verse 23, instead of worshiping God in the way He has prescribed. John 4 verse 24, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, God would not let Jeroboam's false worship go unchallenged and unrebuked because He sent a young prophet from Judah up to Bethel to preach against Jeroboam's compromising arrangement. The Bible doesn't name this young preacher, but it does picture him, at least as he sets out on his mission, as being very faithful and being courageous. It would take a brave man to go before a king and to flatly condemn his religion, but that's what this young preacher was ready to do. He wasn't going to Bethel to have peace talks with Jeroboam or a unity summit. He wasn't planning to win Jeroboam by his charm and by his smooth and flattering words. He went to Bethel to tell the king in no uncertain terms that the worship he had established was wrong, and it was condemned by God. So the Bible says that this young man went to Bethel, and he happened to find Jeroboam himself burning incense at his false altar. And so without hesitation, the fiery young prophet spoke up and said that God would destroy Jeroboam's altars. And speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he prophesied that some 300 years later, a man named Josiah would be born and that God would use him to execute God's judgment upon Bethel and its altar. And that came to pass just exactly as this prophet predicted. And to show that God was speaking through him at that time, the prophet announced a miracle would take place. That God right before their eyes would split the altar and the ashes of its offerings would be poured out. 
Well, all of that brought Jeroboam's church service, you might say, to a halt. And the angry king raised his hand toward the young prophet and told his guards to seize him. But as he did, his arm was frozen into place. And just like the prophet had predicted, the altar was broken in two. There was no denying that God had expressed his disapproval and uh, that God had spoken through this young prophet, and the king had a sudden change of heart. He asked the prophet, as we read, to pray to God to reverse his paralysis, and the prophet did. And when Jeroboam's arm was made whole again, he saw the power of God. He knew that God meant business, and he was grateful, and he asked the prophet to go home with him and to eat and drink, and he would give him a reward. Well, still courageously determined to obey God, the prophet refused. He did what he was supposed to do. God had told him that he was not to eat and drink while there, and he was to quickly come home taking another route than the one by which he went. You know, to have eaten with the king would have compromised his message. It would have uh, showed that he approved of what was going on there. He would have been sharing fellowship with the king. And we're told not to fellowship the unfruitful works of darkness. God did not want this prophet to compromise by extending fellowship to Jeroboam and his false worship. So the prophet bravely turned away to go back home a different way than he came. Well, that's all well and good and quite inspiring, except there was an old preacher who had stayed up there in Bethel for whatever reason after the division of the kingdom. And his sons had witnessed this, and they went home, and they told their father what they had just seen and heard. Well, this old prophet was intrigued. Now, this old prophet was in a compromised position himself. He, he couldn't go along with Jeroboam's false worship. But for whatever reason, he hadn't taken a very firm stand against the king. Uh, he too was like some in our own time who might prefer that things be done in the right way. He, he might be vexed by the unrighteous conduct and by the unscriptural arrangements and the false worship and the false doctrine that he sees and hears around him. But yet they don't have enough courage and conviction to do anything about it. But the old man's curiosity is aroused by what his sons tell him, and he wants to talk to this young prophet. And his motive is kept somewhat a mystery. Uh, it may be that he simply wanted to have some collegial association with a fellow prophet. After all, he, he would have been isolated and probably quite lonely, having remained up north when all of the true prophets had migrated down to the south. Someone suggested that well, perhaps he was a bit jealous of the young man. Maybe he was feeling sort of washed up and put out to pasture and irrelevant. And when he heard of the young man's zeal and determination and success, it stirred up feelings of envy and so forth. And unfortunately, things like that have happened among preachers. But it may have been the other way around. Maybe he was feeling a little dejected and discouraged up there by himself and dismayed by the rotten religious culture of where he was living. And maybe he had just basically uh, got to the point he was sitting back and had given up. And maybe he was inspired by what the prophet had said and done. But nonetheless, he wanted to see and talk to the younger preacher. So listen now, continuing in verse 12. The record says, And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. 
He said to him, Well, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Well, uh uh-oh, what has happened to our young preacher who set out from Judah on such a noble mission and with such courage and determination to please God? You know, for all the fidelity he showed when the idolatrous king tried to get him to compromise, it's now different when another preacher comes and offers the same compromise. Regardless of what the older man's motive was, the fact remains he lied to the younger prophet. Maybe this young man thought, well, he is a preacher after all. It can't be quite as bad as King Jeroboam, so maybe he has a point. Maybe God did speak to him. Nonetheless, he told this young man something claiming that it was the Word of God, but it wasn't. He was misrepresenting the Word of God. Now, friend, this is where we all must be most careful. The world is full of voices and influences that try to lead us astray every day, no doubt. Satan appears in many forms. He speaks through many messengers. And yes, he certainly tries to appeal to the believer through the outside world and its influences. But I would suggest that the means the devil uses to the greatest effect in leading souls astray and condemning them is through the compromising voice of false teachers and preachers and the many voices we hear in religion itself. Here was a prophet who was claiming that God had told him something that God never did say. And he got the younger and more inexperienced and naive prophet to believe a lie because it was coming from someone who claimed to be a man of God. Now It's easy for a person who is trying to do the will of God to recognize the lies of the outside world. It's more challenging to discern truth from error, though, when the source of error is someone who claims to be speaking on behalf of God, someone who purports to be religious and devout and sincere. You know, Paul warned of this very thing when he wrote his second letter to Corinth. There were those claiming revelations that God didn't give them, and they were working to turn the church away from Paul, who was a divinely inspired and chosen apostle of Jesus Christ. They were trying to get the church to listen to them and their false ideas instead of Paul. And they wanted to discredit Paul. Well, Paul warned the church that Satan insidiously works to deceive people by means of those who claim to be representatives of light and truth. But in reality, they speak things that are false. And they will end up leading people astray and to condemnation. He spoke of them in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 12 through 15 saying that they desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we, speaking of the apostles, they desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. They wanted to be put up on par with the apostles so far as what they were saying and the authority that those things supposedly represented. But Paul says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Now, there were only certain apostles of Christ, and Jesus personally chose them before he left earth and then added Paul when he appeared to him on the Damascus Road. There are no living apostles today. The apostles of Jesus Christ occupied a unique office with a unique and exclusive authority. But here Paul says that there were deceitful workers who were presenting themselves as apostles of Christ, claiming to have the same kind of authority. And he says, no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. 
Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Now Paul likewise warned the elders of the church in Ephesus, you may recall, I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, Acts 20 verse 29. And Jesus our Lord himself warned in Matthew 7 verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look right, they sound right, but inwardly, he says, they are ravenous wolves. You see, Paul and the other apostles did speak on behalf of Christ. They were the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspired their teachings and their writings, giving them authority that no other can possess, then or now. And what that means to us is that their words are the standard by which any religious claim must be measured, or any religious doctrine, any religious practice. The Apostle John said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 John 4 and verse 1. Well, how do we today test the spirits, so to speak? How do we judge the words of preachers who claim to speak on behalf of Christ, or anybody else for that matter? We turn to the words of the Apostles, the New Testament Scriptures. This is the rule. This is the standard. This is the guideline. This is the plumb line. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, Paul said that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. But the problem this young prophet, who was living in the age of revelations when God was still speaking through living prophets, the problem he had was that he knew that God had spoken to him, and yet he was willing to listen to what someone else claimed God had said, which contradicted what he knew God had already said. Now, we're not living in the age of living prophets and new revelations and the giving and imparting of new truth. But our world is nonetheless filled with those who claim to receive such revelations. And many are led astray by them. Some religions are based upon the claims of modern revelations, apart from what has already been revealed in the Scriptures. Our religious world is filled with preachers, organizations, and movements that claim to be supernaturally led by the Holy Spirit, apart from and above and beyond the already revealed Word of God. But my friend, the Bible teaches that the revelation of Christ and His will is complete. Jude said that the faith was once and for all delivered to the saints, Jude verse 3, and that we are to earnestly contend for that faith. That means we reject any and every claim, any and every doctrine, any and every organization, and any and every practice, any, any and every church that is not given and revealed in the Word of God. This young man, you see, was led astray because he listened to the lying prophet. Maybe the age and gravitas of the older prophet compelled him. Apparently the older prophet was convincing when he told him God had revealed this contradictory truth to him. It didn't matter. When the young prophet listened to him and heeded him, he sinned. And he ultimately lost his life. You see, he was accountable. And you and I are responsible. The Bible teaches that we're to be noble and search the scriptures like the ancient Bereans to see if the things that we hear are being told, to see if those things are so. Don't take a man's word for it. Open up your Bible and see if what he's teaching you comes from the word of God. If you read on in 1 Kings chapter 13, you learn that after the old preacher lied, God really did speak to him. 
and told him that he had done a terrible thing to this young man. That young man who started out so well would be killed on his way home. His mission would end in a failure. And that's exactly what happened. He was violently killed by a lion on his way home. And the old preacher knew about it, and he was then filled with regret and remorse. And he went and he sadly gathered up the remains of the young man, gave them a proper burial, and mourned his demise. Now that's all a strange story, but it's a poignant and powerful story that ought to teach all of us some important lessons. God doesn't contradict himself. He does not tell one person one thing and tell someone else something different. God doesn't have one revelation for one group of people and another revelation for another group of people. God doesn't reveal one thing in His Word and then send the Holy Spirit to reveal something else to man today. That's a common claim, but it is a false claim, and don't be deceived and misled by it. If men today were being led by the Holy Spirit, they could perform miracles to prove that they were being led and spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Miracles always accompanied God speaking through the Holy Spirit and those that He spoke through by His Holy Spirit. And I mean real miracles. And it should also teach us that believing the wrong thing is a mistake that has eternal consequences. Truth matters. Don't take truth lightly. Don't approach doctrinal and spiritual matters flippantly as though it doesn't make any difference. Truth matters. Where we get that truth matters. Don't be deceived by a man or a woman or whoever because of their charm, their status, their status, their education even. Their, their fluency, their, their, uh, their eloquence. I don't care how many universities a man has attended, how many books he has written, how many speaking tours he's gone on, how many letters he has after his name, how fluently he reads Hebrew or Greek. Now, he might be a tremendous help and resource in our study of the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you something, he's not inspired. And listen, if what he says or what he advocates or what he practices is different than what you can plainly read in the Word of God, you need to ignore him and turn away from him. Eternity is too long. The truth is too precious. Your soul is too valuable to just believe what others say in religion because it sounds impressive. There is one lesson that you and I need to learn from this lying prophet. Judge everything you see and hear by the Word of God. Judge the truth claims, which you don't know, by the truth that you do know from God's Word and not the other way around. And at the end of the day, be determined and stay determined to obey what God has said in His Word. Nothing more and nothing less.
subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos, including Let the Bible Speak Classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Thank you for joining me today for Let the Bible Speak. If you'd like a free transcript of the sermon today, get in touch and ask for the lesson, Lessons from a Lying Prophet. We'll be happy to send it to you, no charge. We never charge for anything on this program. We never solicit donations because we're not here for your money. We're simply here to teach the Word of God and we hope that you benefit from it and that you're listening with a heart to want to heed what we show you and prove from the Word of God. So thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll tell others about our program, encourage them to check us out, to watch the program. And remember, we're online, ltbstv.org and social media. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep up with us that way. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week ahead. And if God is willing, I'll meet you back here next week for another Bible study. Until then, God bless and have a great week. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.